I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hello and welcome back to the Female Gaze Podcast. Uh, welcome back mostly to me and to Alana. <laughs> We're here together again. It's been a minute. It's been a while. We've been traveling all over the world. I know, I know. But I feel like you had a longer a longer stint than I did. You, I think we're, how long were you in Puerto Rico for? Um, Two and a half weeks. Yeah, so it's about the same. Yeah. Um, and I was living in Jesse's house while she was gone. Mm-hmm. We did a cute <laughs> little swap. We did a little swap. It's yeah. cute. We're back. I'm so happy that we're back. Yes. Uh, and joined by an awesome guest and pal, Sarah Ahmed. What's going on? Hey. <laughs> Hi. You were also a- recently returned. Yeah, yeah. I'm feeling good. Where were you in Puerto Rico? Uh, Vieques. Have you uh, been there before? No, but I went to Culebra. Culebra. Yeah. So I'm my family lives on Vieques. So I was um I was chilling. Wow. There. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It was Dang. Fun. Blue it was waters. Really oh, hell yeah. That was the best part. The feeling that I have when I see the water for the first time. Yeah. It's just like, oh, why don't I live here forever? It makes me want to retire on a Hawaiian continent. So did you grow up there? What, what's the deal? Um, it kind of. So my mom was in the army. So I actually grew up in um, Africa the first six years of my life. And then we moved to Thailand for seven years after that. Then we had a brief stint in Japan. And then I finished high school in, in, uh, in Puerto Rico. That's amazing. College, like, so. those are all the places I want to go in oh my, my life. Oh, my God, you have to. Start with Thailand because yeah. that's like, yeah. What part of, of Africa? My, I was in Kenya, Nairobi. Oh, wow. So you were in, like, I the place in, that people go. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. And my mom's whole thing, she was like, just because I'm in the Army, like, I don't want you guys to live on a base. Like, we're going to live like normal people. So that's all I knew, right? That's so interesting. Yeah, it was awesome. It was really rad. That's so really how cool. does everyone feel about being back in New York? Uh, <laughs> Is it depressing or are we hanging? <laughs> well, I'm really glad to be back in my bed. That's one thing yeah. I like. I don't know. And we should say you were just in London. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Bath. Sorry. Yeah, oh, London. Yeah. London and Bath. Yeah. I drank the water in Bath. It was gross. <laughs> was oh. it? Yeah, yeah. But it's like mineral water and right. people go there or used to go there in medieval times because they thought, you know, like this water is going to cure me from some horrible disease like yeah. leprosy. Uh-huh. And it didn't. But, you know, <laughs> you the water. No, <laughs> no, but the water eventually like you you would get like meningitis from the water because it was like disgusting. Oh, yeah, they, they shut the water down um, several times in like recent history and, and cleaned it out. And you drank it. But I drank it, yeah. Mm-hmm. From this, like, spouting fish statue. It was really <laughs> lovely. Like, <laughs> it was so British. Yeah. Do you have pics? Um, I do, yeah. All right, uh-huh. later. Yeah, yeah, cool. Yeah, yeah, cool. We'll share them on our Insta. Um, I had a very New York moment walking here this morning. There was a man, a block up, standing in the middle of the intersection, screaming, fuck the police, as a police officer was just staring at him with his very amused smile. So I was like, New York, great. And then I started hearing this, like, blues harmonica wafting down the street, and I thought it was someone's ringtone. And then I realized it was actually a man driving a car while playing blues harmonica. Hell yeah. He was cruising down Broadway. 
Broadway. That's why I love New York. Yeah, I was like, like it's no okay is, to be back. I do yeah, love this shit. Yeah. No one's ever phased by anything that goes on. I do fucking love New York, and I, I'm an island girl. But uh, but when I come back here, I'm like, oh yeah, this is this is what's up. Yeah. Yeah. Um, okay, so we have a lot to cover today okay. um, because we have a lot to ask Sarah about. We have a lot to cover in the news and culture and do our boats and bees. Um, couple quick pieces of housekeeping, things I just want to mention real quick. Uh, first of all, I was asked twice in the past week if the name of our show, The Female Gaze, is a pun, which I thought was a very interesting yeah. question mm-hmm. and wanted to address quickly. Uh, it's not a pun. <laughs> I th- First of all, I think it would have to be spelled differently to really be a pun. Well, when I say it out loud, people are like, oh, because you're gay. Right. And I'm like, no. Somebody yeah. asked me that when yeah. I said I was coming right. on this. Yeah. yeah. And I said, well, that's kind of good, too. That would yeah. be a good one. That's yeah. Cute. I mean, it, so I told them, I was like, it often is unintentionally a pun, I guess, mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. because of who the hosts are and a lot of our guests are. The female gays in yeah. the house. Hey. <laughs> that's right. Uh, yeah, so, so no, but sometimes. Um, <laughs> and then the other one is that, so on a, a recent episode, we were talking about Quentin Tarantino briefly and how we all felt that he has been a very good director of women, a uh, writer of women's roles, and just gave a little shout out to Tarantino. Then we had a listener from London send us a message that I thought was interesting and a point uh, well made, which was that uh, Uma Thurman in the past year has come out oh, yeah. with yeah. her stories mm-hmm. of a lot of bad shit about like her. Like the car crash that she was in? Yeah. yeah. Right. Um, yeah. So the the New York Times wrote this big piece about Uma's horrible experiences with Harvey Weinstein, but a little bit about Tarantino, too, and that when they were making Kill Bill, she was supposed to uh, crash a car in a scene, and she told Quentin, i can't do this like a stunt driver needs to do this and he insisted that she do it herself and it almost killed her it was Mm -hmm. very bad she couldn't even get out of the car on her own um and so this listener said i think you just need to keep all of the facts in mind before you put someone on a pedestal like that good on you listener from london yeah i appreciate it absolutely i i think that it doesn't mean he hasn't written great roles for women, but yes, if we're going to sit here and extol his virtues, um, we should try to remember that. I honestly had not remembered that story when we were talking about him. But. I know, and it's all, it's also hard sometimes because then it goes into the you know separating the art from the artist thing, and I right. think that's tough, especially now with the, the R. Kelly stuff happening, Chris Brown stuff happening. Before any of that, I... I am I, a fan of their music, right? Or was, rather. Mm-hmm. And it puts you in this weird place because you often forget that there's another side to it. But you're like, oh, my God, th- but your voice and your music or your art and whatever you're creating is so wonderful and magical. Right. And sometimes, you know, A, you forget and things like mm-hmm. that. Obviously, you can't forget about our, what R. Kelly and Chris Brown are doing. But then it kind of puts you in an awkward position where you where you have to choose. Yeah. And I, I mean, I would choose the, the art. Uh, I would be against the artist every time just because I don't, you know. Yeah, I don't think one person's life is ever worth losing for the sake of art. I mean, exactly. I feel like yeah, Hannah Gadsby made this point in Annette, right? Yeah, when she was absolutely. talking about like all the painters who were sleeping with young girls yep. and she's like, we didn't really need, yeah. I forget who she was talking about, Picasso or someone. Probably. She's like, we didn't really need that, you right. know. I think like that 17-year-old girl's life was more important than that Absolutely. Art. Yeah. Okay, uh, so let's move on then to... Toot toot! <laughs> you jumped the gun. Toot toot! Uh, <laughs> Feels so good! You've been waiting. I couldn't say it yesterday. I had to make, um, I had to make other people do oh, it. Oh yeah? Okay. Yeah. Uh, yeah, we're going to do a round of float your boat. Toot toot. And be in your bonnet. Buzz, buzz, <laughs> uh, 
Does anyone want to kick us off? Um, so to be honest with you, uh, this week has been a little um, difficult. So my boat is um, is not anything that I read because I haven't read anything. It's not anything that I've seen because I haven't had time to watch anything. Okay, Uh-oh. but so curious where it's this a per- no, it's a personal thing because it's okay, a great, great. I signed a lease, so um, I signed a lease. <laughs> well, I've Woo. been living. Backstory is I um been living on couch. I broke up with my girlfriend in October. And so I've been couch surfing um, and literally with my dog living in any place that I can get. Oh, so man. it's been, I know. That's um, hard. It's, it's been tough. Yeah. And you yeah. know, you have your job, you have shit to do, and you have to keep your life going and also take care of a dog, but also be living on a million different couches. Um, so for me, that was so fucking rad because I got to sign the lease and now I have a new place in February and that's my boat and I'm happy. Good for that's you. Great. Yeah. Yeah. Making, making moves. Have you ever yeah. signed a lease on your own? No. This is the first. Huge. I know. That's, that's great. Studio apartment. I'm a little so jealous. I've never good. lived alone. Really? And I don't think I wow. will. Yeah. I mean, unless my girlfriend and I, you know, have some horrible split, which I hope that doesn't knock, happen. Knock, knock, yeah. Knock on wood. That's <laughs> yeah. the worst part. Lauren, we love you. Yeah. I hope that doesn't I don't happen. know you, Lauren, but I love you too. <laughs> you but, love her. Um, yeah. I, I think just before moving in with a partner, just know who you're, who you're dealing with. I'm a U-Haul and lesbian. I feel like I have to keep you from going down. Oh my God. It took me three years. Oh, see. That's how mm-hmm, you're supposed to do it. Mm-hmm. That's how you're supposed to do it. <laughs> mm-hmm. All right, who's next? I'm happy for you. Thanks. Uh, Sarah? Okay. Um, so mine is audiobooks. Oh. Because I've never listened to an audiobook before. And I just started listening to Educated. I'm already like most of the way through. Do you guys know this this memoir? So. so Educated is is written by this woman, Tara Westover, and she's Probably in her early 30s, she wrote the book when she was like 28, 29. It's a memoir. She was raised as a survivalist Mormon in wow. Idaho. So she was not schooled. Her father had some sort of bipolar, uh, untreated. Um, you know, he, he also was uh, convinced that... Um, the Illuminati were running um, the, the states and the world and um, that, you know, the second coming was 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 near um, the apocalypse was coming, you know, so she was raised in this really, really intense environment without socialization outside of her family. Wow. And she she went to church, but she wasn't like a part of the church because her her parents were the whole time being like, they're all Gentiles, they're all immodest, you know, the hmm. women. So it's really interesting especially in terms of like this podcast because it's entirely written from her perspective Um, and it's a story about uh, about abuse about finding what herself and her own voice um, in this like bizarre world and and educating herself over slowly over time anyway so I I don't listen to music that much outside of my working hours unless I'm putting on a record Um, so it's because I listen to music all day. I'm working on music all right, day. So right. so when I'm, you know, commuting or running or whatever I'm doing, I like to listen to podcasts or um, now an audiobook. Oh my god. So what There's got you into audiobooks? Yeah. Okay, so just because uh, I, I'm like t- totally somebody who if somebody suggests something, I'll I'll do it. Yeah. Um, and like my That's sister. That's so refreshing. Most people are like, "Oh yeah, yeah, I'll check it out." And never do. 
So yeah. that's nice to know about you. Yeah, yeah. And I'm in this book club at work um, where I suggested this book be- purely because somebody told me it was good. Yeah, and okay. I just was like, I believe you. I'm sure it's great. Like, I, I'm so, <laughs> I believe everybody immediately. <laughs> um, and it was my sister-in-law. She was like, we read this audio book. It was so good. My brother listened to it too. And um, so I, I put it on. And, you know, first book is free. So fun. Okay. But also I, I was like interested in it from like a voice acting perspective because mm. this woman is like reading everything and doing all the different voices. So like oh. the dad's voice is like this. And I was finding it hilarious because I know that I do impressions of men all the time. <laughs> yeah. And I don't really know how ridiculous they sound. <laughs> and now listening to this woman. You have an idea. I mean, she, she's so doing a great job. reading. No, it's like some sort of actor. Yeah, I mean, I imagine it's really difficult to be good at voice acting and and reading eight hours of a book. Yeah. Or 10 hours. Um, You know, I went to a tour at the Audible offices a couple years ago, and it was so interesting because they showed me the booths where they record and that there's a little window so that the director Mm -hmm. can stand on the other side Mm -hmm. and like Mm -hmm. direct the voice actor. And I was just like, wow, I never actually thought about how that would require a director. Like with anything. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I often direct myself. I do a lot of voice um, over acting, like just radio spots, mostly like iHeart oh, commercials. Yeah? Um, out of out of necessity, if nobody's there. I do them. Okay. Um, the hardest thing in the world is the the like copy that you have to read at the very end. That's like this thing is blah 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 blah. blah, blah. Yeah. It literally is. It will take me like five hours to get this down because you have to do it in like a fifteen second window. So you, you write, I thought they sped it up. Sometimes, but it becomes illegible, and and you can if you warp natural yeah. voice sounds too much by by like speeding up, you know, it it starts to sound like um, digitized, Crazy. yeah, and you can't understand it. So you pretty much have to do it full, and then you can only speed it up just like a tiny bit. So um, mm. the people that do that for real, I'm, I'm just, I mean, I guess I do it for real, but it still feels <laughs> right. fake. <Yeah>. Yeah. Fraud. <laughs> <laughs> Wait, will you just give context for people why you would have to do this during the day? Yeah. So I am a composer, but also we're like, uh, the company I work for does a lot of random stuff for everybody that's audio related. So mm. um, I'm the in-house like woman um, and <laughs> I've been doing vocal stuff primarily singing um and writing the melodies and whatnot since I started working there I mean I I interned when I was like 20 at this company it's called Jingle Punks um and I remember my first day they were like we need you to sound like Fergie can you do that (laughs) and I like sang a alternate version of Black Eyed Peas song and I did a terrible job because I just sounded like you know um little white girl from Pennsylvania (laughs) and um um, but they just like kept needing somebody. And so I did more and more vo- vocal stuff. And then I wanted to compose. And then n- now they're like, oh, and we're doing this um, thing where we need a voice actor and we don't have enough time. So read this. Um, you're now supposed to sound like Kate Blanchett in Lord of the Rings. So I'd be like, <laughs> the book of Malin. You know, like, <laughs> it's really but where weird. where does this stuff go? Um, mostly iHeartRadio stations. So we have a partnership with iHeartRadio where they'll be like, this company needs a full radio ad and you're going to produce all of it. So oh. do a Captain Crunch jingle and do the, um, like, 
next week uh, like it, in all stores near you you yeah. know stuff like that yeah. so um so you really have yeah. to be changing your voice a lot mm-hmm. right because oh, yeah. you can't be obviously you know, every people who are listening can't just be like hey that's the same chick that i heard over and over so you're uh-huh. really training your vocal cords it's yeah kind of incredible and, yeah and i've also done you know for for library work when you're trying to get your stuff placed in a lot of different shows like let's say hbo has a login to our library um, they they'll listen to one record that's made entirely by me, but it's in the style of Casey Musgraves or or Marin Morris. Mm. And then they'll go and listen to like an Ellie Golding style um, thing that's like a fake artist name that I made up. Festival featuring Eden, <laughs> <laughs> and and the they want variety, so I have to literally sound like a different person, and the music has to be you know completely different. So. Right. Um, obviously we hire other people to make cause I can't like sing like Aretha Franklin or something, you know? Right. Um, although I have been asked to, and I'm like, this is problematic and <laughs> well, I don't know why, why we're doing this. That's why. Yeah. Well, I don't think Aretha Franklin could have sang like you. So just saying <laughs> different strokes. Exactly. Different strokes. <laughs> Let's uh, just knock her down a peg. Yeah. yeah. She's- you know, we we did a segment on Aretha, and I felt like we were too nice to her, so, just <laughs> so you're just gonna walk be- that one back. Oh, no, man. just kidding. That's funny. Um, yeah, no, that's so interesting. This is like your whole Clark Kent life to me. It's yeah. actually so funny because I knew you as an artist and was following you on social media before I met you. And really? Then I, yeah, and then I met you at a party at our friend yeah. Coco's just house. Joe Goldberged her. What does have that you, mean? Have you not been watching you on Netflix? Oh yes. Oh, is that the one with them? Um, um, that was almost going to be yes. my B. Pen Badgley. That was going to be your B? Yeah. We need to talk about that. I really liked that show. Uh, I enjoy I don't want uh, okay, to talk about it. Go. Um, <laughs> anyway, yes, I was following you then. Yeah. I met you at Coco. Coco, yeah. who designed our artwork. Shout Hi, out Coco. again, Coco. Um, and you were Go telling people. me all about your day job. And I <laughs> was like, oh, that's so interesting. Somebody who does all of this is like really fascinating. Yeah. Still didn't put it together. And I think Coco put us on an email together once, like some mass email. Yeah. And I like was looking to see who else she had sent it to. And I saw your name on it. And I was like, oh, wait a minute. Is that who I was talking to at that party? That's yeah, yeah, yeah. I know who that is. That's funny. Anyway. You're a creep. It wasn't intentional. I didn't go to the party. <laughs> I know, How dare Jessie, you. I'm no Penn Badgley. I'm no Penn Badgley. <laughs> I'm pretty sure I walked past Penn Badgley the other day. Yeah. And um, I, well, about. I shouldn't say walked. I was running to the train. And I didn't stop. I just kept running. Sorry, Pat. People, people. I, I mean, I wanted to stop and like be cool yeah, and walk yeah, by yeah. him, like saunter. You yeah, know, like 100%. I don't have to get to. the I'm not late. Like yeah. I don't run to the train, but I, I run to the train every day. 100%. I <laughs> run too. everywhere I go because I'm always late. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Uh, do you know who he's married to? No. Yeah, that the sister of all the other sisters, yeah. Domino Kirk, oh. one of the Kirk sisters, who's also a very good artist singer. Um, okay, my boat. Are we still on boats? Okay. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, so mine, okay, so I actually want to talk about something that I witnessed when I was in Ireland, which I thought was amazing. So um, I was in Limerick, Ireland, and I was at a pub one night with my friends, and um, you know, last year, Ireland voted to repeal an amendment in their constitution, which banned abortion. Yep. So um, I excuse myself to the restroom at one point and was in the stall peeing and noticed that there was tons of graffiti in the stall, which I always think is fun to read. And I was curious to know like what the Irish lasses were scribbling about. (laughs) And I noticed quickly that it was almost entirely about the abortion amendment and that there was this entire dialogue that women had been having on the bathroom stalls about it uh, for and against repealing it. 
And so I, I wrote down some of the, I like took a bunch of pictures just to read you a few. Wow. Um, repeal for women whose lives are at risk who may be leaving their other children motherless. And then someone else wrote, just because it's happening is not a reason to legalize abortion. And then um, voting no will not stop abortion in Ireland. It will prevent safe abortion. Uh this one was heavy. Repeal for the women who are forced by law to carry babies that they know have no chance at life to full term. Women who oh. have to plan their baby's funeral, Ugh. not christening. Ooh. And then someone responded to that. I carried a baby which died but would not abort. So it was really like wow. both sides. I'm getting like chills. I, literally, I was just looking at my yeah, arm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Um, Holy shit. God saves hashtag bitches, which and that one confuses me a little. Repeal the eighth for our girls, hashtag trust women. And, you know, wow. they would often like point arrows hmm. at someone's thing and, and write their response or they'd write a heart around something that they liked um so then my friend Kay, who was with me was curious if this was like still something people were talking about so she went into the bathroom with a pen and she wrote her own message on the wall she said men who try to tell us what to do with our bodies can go straight to hell how can they even imagine what we go through and then an hour later i went into the bathroom Mm -hmm. And someone had already written a giant heart around her message, oh. and someone else had scribbled "fuck yes" below it. Mm. Oh. So this mm-hmm. is like an active oh my God, conversation. Yeah, so cool, That's right? In- it's incredible, and also, I don't know. I it, it almost makes me sad that that sad. It, it's for happy that the conversation is happening, but sad that it's in such a conf- in, in sure. a space like that. That that's where they're feeling safe, safe. to express themselves. That's without what I was fear. wondering if it's hmm. if it's reflective that there is this public conversation happening, or if it was like yeah. this is a safe place. I mean, for I us don't know to much, only speak to each other about this. Yeah, I don't know much about you know what goes on in Ireland in terms of like free speech and how people you know think about abortion and all these different topics. But um, that could that was possibly the safest potentially right. one of the safest places that they could have an open dialogue with fellow women. Without yeah. the fit, you know. So it's funny because I came back to the table and I was feeling so overwhelmed and emotional about this. And I was telling my friend who's from Limerick about it. Mm. And she was like, ugh, those brats are always writing at the bathroom walls. <laughs> like totally yeah, unemotional like about right. it. It's just like annoying graffiti right. in her hometown. Yeah. Well, it's interesting thinking about Ireland be- because of, you know, Catholicism. Yes. And the relationship right. to abortion. Yeah. I mean, I'm sure it's just so embedded in the culture yeah. that, you know, it, it should be illegal. And um, I, I mean, as much as it's probably a testament to the fact that they don't feel comfortable talking about it to each other out in the world, you, it starts somewhere. It starts on the wall in the bathroom. Mm-hmm. And then um, when you are validated and somebody's actively writing on something that you wrote on mm-hmm. then you feel a little bit more strength you yeah. you put it down into you know so at least that is happening and yeah do you know i i actually feel a little bad that i don't know did they repeal it or what yeah mm-hmm. uh 66.4 percent to 33.6 percent. there wow. was also one quote um that i took a picture of that i thought was cool someone said in response to someone who had written something pro-choice, they said, I disapprove of what you say, but will defend to the death your right to say it. On a fucking ah. bathroom wall. So good for you, Irish ladies. Good for you. Yeah, that's cool. amazing. Yeah. That's yeah, cool. I really love We that. need more of that right Absolutely. now in the States. Yeah, seriously. Yeah. yeah. Anyway, that's my boat. boat next time that's you're cool. A... That's like a nice uh, emotional yeah, boat. I really yeah. liked that boat. I think next time maybe, next time you're out at a bar, you should write something on a wall and see what happens. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I just don't feel like we're that earnest about bathroom wall writing some mistakes. <laughs> it depends. Of, like, yeah. It depends. If you write something about Trump, you know, maybe. Yeah, that's true. Right. Yeah. All right. Time for Bean Your Bonnet now. Buzz, buzz. What do you got? 
Um, be my bonnet. You know what's been pissing me off actually this entire week because all I've been doing, actually pissing me off for a while because I'm doing so much commuting from different locations and I'm taking so many different lines and subways, yeah. is fucking subway etiquette pisses me off mm. when people don't mm-hmm. have proper subway etiquette. The, the, this morning I was on the RW and it was pretty packed, but there was one person who had two hands on the pole. Two hands like this. And everyone was trying. I literally went to go take a piece. And I was looking at him. And I was like, bro, you're not going to take off one of your hands so that I can put my hand in. And I just stared at him. And literally, he didn't budge. And so I had to be like, can you move your hand? Because there's so many people on this train right now. <laughs> and he was like, oh, sorry, I didn't realize. Right. Well, what do you mean? That's perfect. Or the people that sit realize. with their legs open. That pisses me off. I'm like, can I sit next to you? Or it's like all of a sudden... You just walk into the subway and everyone just forgets how to be a human. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like sitting on you, sneezing on you. I hate people who walk on while you're walking off. Yeah. <laughs> Ooh, that really that gets me. That is the cardinal me. number one yes, rule. That really or grinds my giblets when, for exactly. sure. <laughs> or when you're like waiting outside, you're being patient. People are walking yeah. off and you have someone that just comes and steamrolls you and, and pushes in yeah, front yeah, of you yeah. to get on while you were waiting because you're being nice. Yeah, and when I'm like particularly saucy, I'll be like, Getting off. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you fucking. I, I love it. I love it. Yeah, it's a good one. That's my All right. Beef. Sarah, what's your B? Um, okay, so I thought about this. I have like one tiny little B that I need to shout out yep, because it's it. like my biggest winter pet peeve static electricity i hate it oh, i like i can't touch anything without zapping it like my even my cat and i will like give a little smooch <laughs> and then we zap each other i'm like nope that's it don't get out, lo- get out of here don't get look out. at me <laughs> hey you yeah i hate okay so that's just one tiny little uh-huh, bee. it's relatable yeah. that's a yeah and then my other bee is coming back to new york and waiting in the bathroom line um the women's bathroom so while I was in London um, I went to several places that had two bathrooms one was for women or women identifying Uh and then one was for gender neutral Mm. please and thank you to whoever came up with that idea Mm -hmm. because men can go in and just piss real fast walk Mm -hmm. out first of all they don't have like their period situation to deal with if they have to take a dump or whatever, fine. But the, there's only one in, like, you know, the line yeah. that has uh, to do that. Yeah. <laughs> um, <laughs> and then women are going in with their babies, with their periods. Mm-hmm. And um, and not to mention that we need a safe space for yes. women, women identifying, um, femme, you know, whatever spectrum people. So uh, having, like, a women's only bathroom and then a gender neutral, it makes it so much more safe for, first of all, for for um, trans masculine identifying people. So they don't feel like they have to um, deal with the only male thing. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And yep. and um, and for people like me who um, feel completely fine going into a men's bathroom, especially yeah. if mm-hmm. there's nobody in there. Right. Um, and and you know taking a piss and not like standing in line with the rest of the ladies, yeah. um, worrying about going in the, the men's room. Totally. Um, yeah, it makes sense. Yeah, it's just it's driving me bananas. Yeah. And I can't. I, I'm just so over it. Mm-hmm. Plus, yeah. people always like out of the corner of the eye, you know, see me and they're like, "Oh, the men's. Oh, never mind." They're, they like misgender me and think that I'm going to the also, men's bathroom. Also, like, mind your own fucking business. You're in your own line. Let me be in the line that I want to be in. Yeah, Don't come yeah, tell yeah. me where I'm going. I yeah. know where I'm yeah, going. Yeah, it's just, it, there's like, we have this weird um, etiquette about like 
trying to help people and by assuming yeah. who they are. And and every time somebody misgenders me, they apologize prof- profusely, which just makes it worse. Yeah. Like, like, first of all, you don't know how I identify just mm-hmm. based on how I look. Mm-hmm. You, you know, you don't know. Mm-hmm. Right. And then um, we don't need to have this conversation. You can say like, oh, this is open if you want to use it or something. But um, yeah, bathroom, I'm just like, so stressed about it yeah yeah i also noticed when i was in several airports the past week Hmm. that i it occurred to me for the first time that it's a little strange that there are only baby changing tables in women's bathrooms it's fucked up it's right yeah what if you're a single dad right yes where where do you go i'm kind of shocked that it's legal and what if you have like a little girl and she's like four right she's not gonna go into the bathroom by herself yeah right yeah, that's bizarre. Uh, it's really weird. Yeah. I mean, this is just shit that's going to take a long time to change. Yeah. You know? It's like we're just starting to understand these things right. and then to actually see it work out in the way we construct buildings yeah. and just like react to people in yeah. the moment. It's... What are What is the option for dads who need to change the ba- their babies outside? Like what? Yeah. Are, what do they do? I yeah, don't on know. The, on the seat at the gate? <laughs> I guess. I don't know. Yeah. I don't know. We'll have to ask. We should ask. Mm. I don't know right very in, many listeners. single dads. Yeah, any single dads. Yeah. The, only, I hope so. the yeah. only one coming to mind is Ben Affleck in um, <laughs> uh, that movie. Ha! Oh, uh, even like in real life. Gigi- no, 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 no. Sorry, sorry. Oh, no, no, no. Um, no, no. Jersey Girl. Jersey Girl. That's the only one. That's the only uh, single dad I know. And totally. it's not even real. It's not even real. <laughs> single dads, where are you at? Oh, my God. Listen to uh, yeah. What's Those up, hunky widowers. Yeah. <laughs> With the babes. Um, What's pissing you off, sis? Okay, uh... So, okay, there's one that is, uh, I'm reading this amazing book called Ninth Street Women by Mary Gabriel, which is about um, modern artists, women artists in the like 30s to 60s in New York. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's been teaching me a lot about artists like Lee Krasner, who is Jackson Pollock's partner, but also an amazing artist in her own right. Yeah, who overshadowed completely by her husband. 100%. Yes, and but partially by her own choice that she decided that, uh, and I, uh, this is kind of society, their best shot was to put all of their eggs in his basket sure, and try sure. to promote him. And so mm. she kind of like held back a little That's bit. It's kind of a bummer. That's it's dumb. a bummer. Her heart is amazing. So anyway, I was at the Tate Modern last week and same. I saw both of their paintings in the yeah. same room. Okay. So it was interesting because the Pollock that they have hanging in there looks a lot like a Krasner painting. Yeah. And the same Krasner painting in that same room and and the plaque by oh, Pollock's I painting. The same thing. Is like, you know, he had become famous for his splatter and blah, blah, blah style. Um, but then he was worried he was hitting a wall. So he decided to try to experiment with figures more. Which is what? It's just like it's, it's less splatter and it's more shapes. Right. Then you look at Lee Krasner's painting, which is shapes and is was always her style right. from yeah. the beginning. And it's like, oh, I wonder where he just magically got right. this idea it fucking makes me crazy That's now. Dumb. Yeah, it's really annoying. That's but also, so but also, it's kind of interesting because inevitably, whoever you're partnered with, you will be influenced by each other sure. in Absolutely. your personal life and your art. Yeah. yeah, I mean that happens to me all the time. I, yeah, I actually wanted to ask you about that. Yeah, your partner is a visual artist. Yes, mm-hmm. and yeah. I'd be very curious to know how that affects your music. Oh, that's a really interesting thought. Um, well. So one of the reasons why we went to Tate is because of Lauren. Uh-huh. Um, but also 
I love going to uh, museums because I love understanding the intent. There's so much intent behind visual art, mm -hmm. and there's so much like that's being um, uh, discussed in one thing. It, you can make a pop song and not have any intent other than getting people to, you know, dance and mm -hmm. enjoy themselves, which is totally fine. And and it in I think music, there's more of an obvious um, cross between art music and commercial music, right? Mm -hmm. So in in design, commercial design versus fine art, there there can be a huge divide. You can you know it's not quite like artists who are fine artists are making commercial stuff um, but are considered fine artists you know right. what I mean mm -hmm. so there are musicians yeah. who are considered like art musicians but they're making like commercial music you know uh -huh. like St. Vincent or something right, right? so so um, I find it really interesting and I like bringing in a lot a, a lot like of intent to my music mm. and um, and Lauren's art is so arduous and so um all-consuming she spends 500 hours on a piece she is extremely detailed her body aches her um it's about a living thing that yeah. she's making and it talks about um you know all of these these like this obsessiveness for detail um, in her work. And so I kind of love that her body and her process um, adds uh, pain and, and joy and stuff into her actual art. And I think about that a lot in terms of what I'm doing. Um, it definitely affects it. Yeah. For sure. Wow. Mm -hmm. That's awesome. Mm. Yeah. It's How can it not? Yeah. yeah. I also saw an exhibit at the Barbican in London that was all about how artist couplings had affected each other, yeah. which was very interesting. And they would show two artists work side by side and explain mm -hmm. their whole romantic history oh, and then wow. to kind of extrapolate how you think that affected their work. Yeah. Yeah, I think it it's also interesting because we end up getting gifts for each other that are really related to the things that we're interested in mm -hmm. in our art. Mm -hmm. So I think early on in our relationship, I bought her a skeleton of a quail. Um, because it would be Explained. something she would look at. Yeah, she like cried when I got it for her because she was like, you understand oh, me. Yeah. Um, the best. But because she wants to look at real um, biological design mm -hmm. and she wants to look at things that inspire her art that are fascinating mm -hmm. figures and, and combinations. And, you know, she likes looking at things that are perfect spirals because of geometry and fucking mm -hmm. biology is just insane. Right. Mm -hmm. So um, that makes sense to me. I I've seen her art in your home, actually. Yeah. And you can see the skeleton of her art. Yeah. You know? Like, I, th mm -hmm. I think I saw a piece that wasn't finished and you can. I mean, it, it makes sense to me. It's like fleshy and intestinal yeah. and bony and right. and um, micro micro or Orgasmic. It's like micro dosing for orgasms. Just like tiny orgasms. Yes. All the little, little content. I wish. <laughs> awesome. Yeah. One size fits all seemed like a good idea for clothes. Nice dress. Uh, it's a it's a t-shirt. Until you tried it on. Same goes for your health care. 
That's why United Healthcare offers a variety of flexible, budget-friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. So whether you're between jobs, coming off a parent's plan, or even missed open enrollment, you can find the plan that fits you best. Find out more about United Healthcare coverage at uh1.com. That's uh1.com. Um, okay, cool. So Let's talk about your music now. Cool. Tomboy. Yeah. New album coming out the week that we're posting this episode. Oh, sick. Yeah. Nice timing. Yes. Uh, you let us have a little sneak preview. Yeah, and yeah, And it's yeah. fucking awesome. It, is. it really is. So it's oh, your thanks. first full-length album, yeah, right? Uh-huh. You had the EP out a few uh-huh. years ago, mm-hmm. but this is your yeah. first full work. Under this project. Under this project. Okay. Yeah. Mm-hmm. What, what was before that? Well, when I was 18, I made a record called... Um, Vertical Lines by Sarah Allman. It's really bad, but you know, yeah. but I did it then. Yeah, yeah. you know, it's That's where awesome. I was then. Yeah, yeah. Um, I, I wouldn't say it's entirely bad because I need to give myself a little uh, credit, but um, uh, mostly bad. And then, <laughs> <laughs> and then, um, I made a record. It was more of a larger EP, um, with a band called Half Sister. Okay, and they were some of the people that worked on the Sarah Allman record with me, um. And that was just what I was doing in college. Um, I had started uh, as a film student um, at Syracuse. Uh-huh. I went to Syracuse. Oh, no shit. Yeah. What, what year did you graduate? Um, 2013. She's baby. I was 2012. <laughs> really? Bitch. Were you in Newhouse? <laughs> yeah, dog. Me too. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I was a TRF major. I was a BDJ. Oh, wow. Broadcast. Yeah. That, that Also, I love that um, acronym. I know. BDJ. Well, because it used to be BJ major, broadcast journalism, and then yeah. it was like, oh, blowjob. So they were like broadcast and digital journalism. Hey, okay. so, yeah, yeah. Well, that's also so cool. digital. Yeah, I'm yeah, going yeah. there this weekend. Oh, wow. I yeah. haven't been back, and I, d- I like, don't really want to go no. back. I haven't been back since I graduated. No I'm shade so to Syracuse. I just, it's you know, I've moved on. I know. I know. Uh, <laughs> I'll let you know how it is. Yeah, that's so interesting. I w- so I started, and w- when I was there, you know, there's this massive um, music management program. Yes. And uh, I was playing guitar in high school, um, and I got to college, and I, I guess I was playing guitar out in the dorm because I wanted to be cool and mm. I wanted people to like me and um, and like some music management majors were like I'll be your manager <laughs> and I like had written three songs that yeah. were terrible and could play like two covers um, <laughs> and they booked me a show and that's when I started doing things and okay. then I then the music program was interested in me because I was making music um, and so they encouraged me to make get a music minor so I went out mm-hmm. and I I auditioned for like the music industry minor that was artist um like musician style so it was um the music industry minor too um so you could take theory classes and lessons and I was like the only girl taking guitar lessons at the time Mm -hmm. and I was not a major so it was not very good um so I'd do these recitals with like all these metal head guys (laughs) they would do like these insane pieces and I would do like a duet with the professor (laughs) wow (laughs) so bad um and yeah so so because of that I I had a lot of access to the studios there and um, then I just sort of fell in love with with the process. You know, I was obsessed with film because I love storytelling and performance. Uh-huh. And um, 
I had always been obsessed with soundtracks and, and um, you know, ever since I can remember, I was buying soundtracks from FYE for your entertainment, yeah, yeah. Mall, uh-huh. of course, of course. Um, you know, Romeo plus Juliet. <laughs> um, I found out about David Bowie via Moulin Rouge. Wow. I had no, I mean, I had listened to Rebel Rebel like a thousand yeah. times on the radio, but I'd never gone out and listened to Diamond Dogs or anything. Yeah. Um, you know, Hunky Dory, I had a little bit of exposure to that, but it was uh-huh. through Moulin Rouge when I was like 12 uh-huh. that I heard of David Bowie and really found him yeah um so yeah then at at school I was making records with people um and it became my focus um I had a professor uh Tula Guenka who was like an editing professor yeah yeah yeah. she was amazing she was an editor for um do the right thing yeah wow yeah uh, this this Indian woman who was like the only non-black person working on that um so she actually had to drive the the reels through the Rodney King riots because nobody else could because she was the only non-black person. Can you believe that? That's insane. Wow. She had the reels of, I think it was Do the Right Thing, and maybe mistaken, maybe it was Malcolm X, I'm not sure. But um, yeah, anyway, she's shout out to her because she she was a good professor, and she was like, I think you should focus on music. Mm. By the, the end, the last year I was writing music for um, Friends films. Mm. Okay. Um, and that's how I started doing it. But at that time, I didn't really know anything about it I when I'd go to see the screenings I'd be like please let the music be loud enough yeah I don't know if I did it right yeah, yeah. <laughs> is it going to clip and like burst the, yeah. the you know I just was kind of doing it by by chance but where were you as a vocalist at that point well I was I never really considered myself a vocalist until later on in life my my sister was um, this amazing vocalist okay. um, and my dad is a wonderful vocalist he's also a professional semi-professional trombone player so mm-hmm. I grew up with a lot of music in the house mm-hmm. um, but I was always like the sporty like tomboy mm-hmm. um, that played soccer and wasn't very good at singing um, or at least I didn't have the confidence my sister had mm-hmm. and I didn't have the practice I was never mm-hmm. asked to be um, a part of like the things that she was asked to mm-hmm. um, which I think is interesting but also um, it gave me time to really modify my voice according to who I was listening to so um, at the time when I was younger I stole my brother's Bjork CD my his Radiohead CD um, I had some you know like I said the the soundtracks that I bought obviously I had like Ricky Martin and bullshit like that <laughs> yeah. too um, Alicia Keys yeah. you know all my good records um, and I stole my mom's Carol King album, her Enya album. So I was I was singing along to these things, um, and it was modifying my voice in a way that my sisters was going more choral. Mm-hmm. I was I was singing like Bjork at age yeah. eleven, you know. Yeah, yeah. Um, so then I started writing music in high school because I had this like this is so funny. I had this boyfriend who in sophomore year of high school who wrote songs mm-hmm. and he wrote a song for me and. Um, and I just thought, oh, I could do that. I yeah. want to do that. I can do it. He's doing it. I want to do it. Yeah. Um, so Did you break up with him? Because you were like, I've learned what I need to from you. Goodbye. <laughs> Goodbye now, sir. <laughs> I think he's living a wonderful life right now. I hope he is. Um, I, we don't need to go into that. Okay. No. <laughs> no, I was just very gay. So, you know, it wasn't going to work out. Right. Um, <laughs> right. That, that, that affects it. Yeah. Um, but. I did love, uh, my, my brother was taking guitar lessons in college at the time, and so he would come and, and bring me back sheets of, of like, tablature yeah. so that I could learn different chords. And every time I learned a new chord, I would, like, write 
write a song with it. Mm. And when I was a kid, I took piano lessons and I always wrote like little songs. And when I came home from school, if nobody was home, I would sing like a full eight minute overture, just making it up by myself, walking around the house. And that's what I like wanted to do when I was alone. And I do it now on the streets of Brooklyn with mm. people just staring at me because, you know, you're not. <laughs> you know, you're, you're, not yeah. Yeah. you're not alone. You're not alone here. Um, but I still, I still write music while walking around. Okay, so I do a lot of that. But I, anyway, am I, am I going into too much great. detail? No, that okay. was amazing. Um, where was I going with this? What were you asking? Oh, singing. Yeah. Singing. So um, I did performance, like I was in musicals, but I wasn't like a dancer. I was more of like a an actor, right? Mm-hmm. And my voice was kind of the weaker link, but I could do it. Um, and then because I was writing these, this, these songs, I was writing music for the voice I had at the time. Mm -hmm. So, um, I would write in the key that I could sing in Mm -hmm. well. And so while I couldn't necessarily sing Star Spangled Banner very well, Mm -hmm. I could do it. Mm -hmm. Um, I didn't have the confidence in it that I had in the stuff that I was writing. So Mm -hmm. while I was writing stuff for, for my voice, I started getting more confident in my voice. And then it was early on that I started working at Jingle Punks where I was actively being asked to modify my voice and sing in things that I wasn't comfortable singing. So I had to just get better at it. And it was also like, I need you to learn this part or I need you to write something, sing it, and have it be done in an hour. So oh so you have to just push through. And, and if you do that a few times a week, um, your voice gets a lot better. And... At that time, I had already been sort of working on my voice, stretching my voice. Um, I would go on long car rides to Syracuse in college and listen to Lauren Hill or um, Fiona Apple and yeah. really try and sing with them those lower registers. Yeah. Just stretch it out, you know, like just yeah. really go into it. And then I would listen to a Joanna Newsom record, sing with her, and she's going from one octave to like three octaves above that, right? Mm-hmm. And um, just following along and and doing my best to to, to hold on with them. Um, and that was like my own sort of education on it. Okay. But then, you are such a powerhouse vocally. So yeah, I want to know when right. that really kicked in. Like, that, I would love to ask someone with synesthesia what they see when they hear you singing. Oh, Because mm-hmm. to thanks. me, it's like a beacon of light, like from a lighthouse. Yeah. Like, I almost have it when I hear you sing, you know? So when did that, I when think, did you find that? Yeah, I think that that came um, more in my adulthood. Not that, um, it's not that separate from when I was... Uh, really heavily and I still am really heavily in um, involved in in group therapy and therapy Mm. work Um, I like I said I am somebody that um, will do anything that somebody suggests to me Mm -hmm. I also do Coco's suggestion of a therapist (laughs) no but yeah (laughs) everyone goes to Coco's therapist no but okay but you know I I started when I was 22 I had gotten into a bike accident and had like PTSD and um and I was you know I I I had I, I grew up pretty Christian so mm-hmm. um, I had severe um, anxiety around being gay and um, for like a decade it took me a long time to even say the words you know in my di- diary entries I, I don't want to look at ever because I say it mm-hmm. instead of gayness and I was so afraid of being gay I'd like rather have cancer than yeah. be gay so uh, even just admitting that I was afraid of it 
not even that I was actually gay was it took me years. You know, I started at age 11. Right. Mm -hmm. And so um, I started this therapy work because of the accident. But it was really, really necessary to, to deal with the trauma from my childhood, dealing with that secret, holding on to that like fear my whole life. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, and nobody thought that I had this fear because I was such a happy go lucky type mm-hmm. kid. I kept it really, really close. I didn't talk about it more than like five times that whole time, right? Mm. Um, Anyway, so I think when I started doing this work and when I started Tomboy um, and in junction with singing all the time at work, I found that I didn't want to be a cute, uh, you know, frivolous singer. I wanted to be powerful. I wanted to have my own voice, my own things to say. I didn't want, people had always, you know, qualified my music as cute and I felt like that was so not my identity I didn't want to be cute and I didn't want cuteness to um to to feel belittling I wanted it to feel like a choice when I did it right mm-hmm. so um so I started pushing into my chest voice higher and 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 writing things that were kind of a little bit out of my range but going for it mm-hmm. And just shouting. There's this wonderful Bjork um, performance uh, on Jules Holland and Hyper Ballad. It's a fantastic song. It's Tom York's favorite song. Um, it's uh, she. Her voice cracks several times when she goes for this high note, right? And I find this flawed performance to be so engaging because she's she's so vulnerable she's going for something that she doesn't know she can make and she doesn't make it Mm. right she falters but she finds the note eventually and um there's just something so human and so powerful in being able to expose yourself and not be perfect and so i wanted to stretch and go for those things and it felt really related to what i was working on in my therapy right yeah um and that's it also relates to what you're saying about lauren's work and just yeah. that idea yeah. like seeing the organic material yeah. yep. in the art mhm mhm yeah so i think that's when it started and when i first did the the ep our first tomboy one uh-huh I hadn't f- quite found that yet. Mm-hmm. I found it mostly in performance, in in stage um, singing with people, um, and it ga- it gives me a lot of joy. I find a lot of release, mm. and um, I feel like so like I've just screamed at um, the world. Mm-hmm. And I feel released. I used to do that when I was a kid. So actually, one of the songs on the record, Zephyr, is kind of like a story about that, mm-hmm. um, where I would go running in any sort of weather because I was a s- soccer player. I'd mm-hmm. go for runs um, like a good girl. But I'd be listening <laughs> to music and I would just stand in this field and like scream because that's where I could emote, yeah. you know, in a safe way. Yeah. And that's how it feels when I'm singing at the top of my lungs and on a st- on stage you yeah. know yeah. how intentionally personal is your songwriting extremely intentionally personal okay yeah um i i would like to experiment more in my in tomboy and in anything that i do i'm gonna probably do allment at some mm. point um but um i'd like to experiment taking on on narratives that are less personal um, but I think for anything to feel really truthful for me, it has to come from a personal place. Mm-hmm. And, 
um, it feels hard and false if I don't. So, um, you know, it has to be really personal. And everything is like, everything that I write is, is kind of from either a memory or an imagined memory mm-hmm. or a expanded upon situation that existed or something that I created while I was in the actual memory, mm-hmm. like an idea of what the world was like. Um, so, so for instance, Submarine from the record, um, that is a song about, um, it's inspired by um, this, this film from the 60s um, where a man goes like inside of a body and he's like in a little submarine. Mm. It's also Mrs. Frizzle, um, the, the from Magic School Bus, <laughs> Magic School yeah. Bus, where uh, I think there was like a redheaded boy yeah. who like sneezes and like the Magic School Bus gets small and like it goes <laughs> yes, up into his nose. That's my favorite episode. Yeah, 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 yeah. So it goes up into his nose. And I just was imagining um, myself as a tiny version going inside of my body, um, trying to find this other version of myself or another partner or something. Mm. And, and, and it's like this journey um, inside of myself where I'm like choking on my own like blood and stuff, wow. swimming through it, um, trying to f- to feel whole, trying to find mm. myself. Mm. Um, so submarine has a lyric: um, one makes a number, but two makes a pair. Right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Which I fucking love because that reminds me of like my favorite Broadway song of all time, which is Sondheim's um, "Being Alive." Oh, cool. And the song, or the there's a line in that song which is, alone is alone, not alive. Mm-hmm. Right? And mm-hmm. that, that's what Submarine reminds me of. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I think um, I've always felt like um, a person that, that does well in pairs. Mm. Um, I Very close to my sister, I always was. Mm-hmm. And um, I also, you know, have a partner now. Mm-hmm. But also I see myself as kind of split into different places a lot. So it's it's not just about the relationships that I have with other people that make me feel um, alive. Mm-hmm. It's that on one level and also on another level, you know, my desire to marry myself with myself mm-hmm. um, and to feel like um, less alone with myself. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. And um, the song Seed. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. Is that particularly about queer love? Yeah, too? yeah, yeah, yeah. So that song is about many, many, many different uh uh, relationships or or I made up relationships in my mind. Uh-huh. The first one that that I talk about in the first verse is like my freshman year in college. I wasn't gay at the time. Well, I mean, obviously I was, but I wasn't like out, out even to myself. Mm-hmm. And there was this girl in my archaeology class, my dissertation. I was like convinced that she was a lesbo. Like yeah. I was so convinced she was so cute and had dreads which at the time I'm like oh my gosh white dreads I don't know <laughs> um but uh, Jerry still, I don't know. yeah but I was like she's definitely gay and she's staring at me all the time and so I just kept being like I was like obsessed with it I was yeah. like why is she staring at me she must like me yeah um and then you know we'd pass like a, a gorilla jaw in the like archaeology dissertation <laughs> and, and like fingertips of grace <laughs> and I thought that like she was lingering you know yeah. and that's like the first lyric right yeah. But but it turns out she was extremely straight, and I was making <laughs> the whole thing up. <laughs> like, um, please tell me there's a yeah, story. I need to. I need to know. I was like, I 
okay, so there was this guy at some party, and I remember being like, so they're like, she was um, not there maybe, but friends with him, and he was like, she's not gay, and you need you like are going around telling everybody that she's gay, and like obviously you're the one that has like a thing for her, and I just was oh like God. shocked and upset and so embarrassed, but it was true. Yeah, I went home that that winter break. I watched like the L Word for the first time. I, I watched a thousand Tegan and Sarah videos, <laughs> um, and I came back and I met this girl, and she became my first girlfriend, and um, I remember like shaking when we had our first kiss, I was like so scared. Yeah. Um, because I was so terrified of it, but also I was so excited about it. Yeah. So s- seed is about planting an idea in your brain because you need it. Um, and letting it grow and to this like almost unruly uh, place so that you can like hack it back and understand where you mm. exist mm. in that world. Wow. And, um, and like, so, so, so for me, seed came from, we had this organ sample that my partner will, um, found and, and created. And it had this quality of like a pond. It f- I felt like I was in a pond. I, I definitely, every time I hear music ele- elements of, of, of what we're creating, I'm taken to a place or an image. So in this, my, uh, my image was like a lily pad on a pond. Mm. And um, then it sort of changed to like warm grass, wet in the, in the summer. And, um, and then it became this like garden. So, the lyrics were about this this world that I was feeling from that place. And I wanted to, you know, talk about something that felt like um, intoxicating, like a warm garden mm-hmm. does. And that's very um, much how I felt or how I felt about love and lust in the past. It's a it's an escape mechanism that I've learned over time to um, kind of stop doing where like new love was um, a distraction from issues I was having in my life. Mm -hmm. And so I just go from like one thing to the next. And I was wondering why I had like, you know, girlfriends in college where I was like lusting after all these other people while I was with them. Um, and it was because it was a coping mechanism. It was a way for me to uh, avoid reality. Yeah. Um, so, so yeah, the song is about a lot of things for yeah. sure. Yeah. Yeah. Awesome. Um, so, wait, I just did want to shout out mm-hmm. your partner, Will. Yeah, Will. Who is half McIntyre. of the duo. Yeah. Yeah, he, he goes by William Shore. Um, he's a lovely uh, feminist man. Yeah, I love him. Yeah. I love those. <laughs> yeah, I don't really have to do anything. His uh his lovely partner of a long time. Um she she's done a lot of good. A lot of work. Yeah. Actually, you know, to you. Not just that. I mean, obviously he's done his own sure, work. Yeah. I, I want to give him fair <laughs> credit, but absolutely. I also think she's had a huge influence on him, which has been great. And he's got a wonderful mom, a wonderful sister. Right. He's got a twin. Yeah. He's an identical twin. So they have influenced each other a lot. Um, yeah. It takes a village. It does. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And he's got, he's got an older brother and, and a 
you know, dad as well. So he's he's got you know a lot lot a lot of life. He's a wonderful vibraphonist though, and I love working with a percussionist because I'm not as rhythmically inclined. Mm-hmm. Right. Cool. So he fills out that, and he's um he you know he's he's a much better technical producer than I am. I think. Okay. Even though I'm getting to be a lot better at, at it. Right. But it's probably nice to not have to worry about all the things. <laughs> yeah, Focus we have, on your strengths. Yeah, like we, we have sessions where we get together and we work on things. And then we'll both work on it separately. Yeah. And he, he might be, you know, refining the kick sound, the low end on the kick. Or maybe he's not happy with the hi-hats and so he's changing that. Um, and I am writing lyrics or... Um, deciding where the next part should go or mm-hmm. something like that. And then we come together and we influence each other's choices and then we go separately again. Cool. Yeah. So the album is called Steam. Mm-hmm. It's out February 8th. Yeah. Correct? Yeah. And you're having a little album release yeah. show party? Show. Show and party? Yeah. <laughs> it's, it, I mean, it's going to be a party. Every show's a party. Oh, yeah. When is it? Where My is mom's going to be there. <laughs> hey. Uh, can't wait. It's at Union Pool, right? Yeah, so Union Pool. So if you're in Pool. Brooklyn, is it sold out yet? I I hope it's getting there. Yeah, um, I, I need to buy a ticket. You need to come. I'm yeah, yeah, I'm yeah. a Brooklyn girl now, so I'll see you there. Oh, sweet. Yeah, so it's it's like at eight. We have um, Andrew Fox, a good friend of ours, who's opening the night. He's fantastic. Fucking Amazing. so good. Um, and then we have Liam uh, Bensby. I hope I'm saying his last name correctly. Um, he is just putting out new music. He was in a band called Strange Names. He's like this lovely queer boy that um, is on the scene. And um, then we're playing. So yeah, come. We'll probably be on at like 10-ish. Yes. Um, cool. yeah. And if you can't make we're it, coming. the album will be out. Yeah, and we've, we're selling vinyl. We're going to have t-shirts. Oh, yeah. Check it out on Bandcamp because it all goes to the artist. Amazing. Um, nice. Cool. Yeah. yeah. All right, before we wrap up, we're gonna force you to do a round of the hot takes wheel with us. Ooh, okay. Yeah, where is it? It's fast by its very nature. Right here. You took it away from me. You need to I'm explain sorry, it in more depth to me. Okay. Um, basically, <laughs> so it's a wheel that has various topics on it that have been mm-hmm. submitted by listeners. So I'm gonna ask you to spin it, and cool. it's gonna land on something. We'll read it, and yeah. then everyone goes around and gives their hot take on it. Ooh, hot yeah, takes. That's right. Okay, give it a spin and spin it hard. <laughs> <laughs> that was kind of hard. Uh, it's in the middle. Okay. Let's uh, spin it again. Okay, give it one, one more spin. <laughs> nah, that was good. Is chivalry dead or and, and do we care? Chivalry is not dead if you're a lesbian, That's first right. of all. That's so um, I like being chivalrous to random-ass strangers mm. more so than, like, my girlfriend. Because <laughs> I want to be the person that, like gets to stand and, and hold a door for somebody and make them feel good. Agreed. It doesn't have to be fucking romantic. I completely agree. I love that kind I gesture. like platonic chivalry. Yes. A hundred percent. Yes. Okay, but... And I hate I it when a man's doing it to me. Yes! Though, <laughs> well, this is the thing. I don't know if we can make chivalry in the sense gender neutral, because then we're kind of just talking about manners. I think this topic is asking oh, about oh, specifically men. men to women... Yes. Okay, so I don't like um then you know now a lot of men are like, well, I would hold the door for you, but Me I too. Know. I, I you <laughs> know, too I know movement. you're a feminist, yeah. right? Me too. Yeah. So oh, ew. Yeah. Uh, man, to my straight girl 
friends. I'm so sorry. Um, (laughs) And my bi friends. Yeah, that's rough. Sorry. Um, You know, I think that uh, I don't have a lot of experience with it um, as a hetero woman, but I imagine that some women love it when their guy is being chivalrous to them because they like playing into gender like if a dude dropped a door on you Uh uh-huh yeah are you annoyed yeah if anybody drops a door on me i'm i'm annoyed i i was on a work trip um last year and one of our clients um he stands up every time a woman leaves the table and I think it's really demeaning. Yeah, <laughs> I don't yeah, know yeah. why, for, but that particular action, yeah. I was yeah. like, you don't need to stay. Like, what, what, what is? It's not what, even useful. It's just. It's like not a useful. Show it's of, like the, the lady. Right. Exactly. It's a show of your masculinity, yeah. and like, let me stand up so the lady of the also, room. Also, it's exit. a show to be like, look, I am so yeah, good. I'm exactly. such a good guy. But that's eag- that, that's like fuck you. Men- I don't need to clap and like give exactly. you a fucking pat on the back right. again right. for you already are patted on the back for being a good exactly. guy you're all doing the time. it for yourself and for everyone else at the table especially yeah. that particular um action i get annoyed when men don't hold the door open like if there's a double door and there's a man who's already opening the door the second one usually i'll wait until the person comes through the first and i'll be at the second door and if i'm I don't even know how to explain it, but if I'm already after the first door, walking into the second, only because it's like, whatever, door is a door, but this particularly, like, you can wait an extra two minutes to be chivalrous, and I, or an extra two seconds, sorry, not two minutes, it's a long time, but (laughs) I'll always wait the extra couple of seconds just to make sure that the person, you know, isn't, doesn't have the door slammed on I think that you really nailed the, the, the head here because you you said you know chivalry versus manners, right? So, so yeah, I think chivalry is... Okay, it's, let me give one more example, which sorry. I think is actually interesting. Okay, go so, ahead. So, um, the idea of a man paying for things. Mm-hmm. So mm. my first in- instinct has been, mm. fuck that, we don't have to do that anymore. But then I've been thinking, and I think I've heard other people make this point. It wasn't even my original idea. Men get paid more for everything that they do. Mm. So if a man wants to pick up a check, I don't know that women should feel bad about letting that happen. Well, of I course don't. they shouldn't feel bad about letting it happen. It's more about what is the intent, you know, right. like. Well, yes. And that's a whole nother thing that often they are paying because they think then they're going to be rewarded later. Yes. Mm. Yes. Yeah. 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 It's true. It's because, tricky. Yeah. I uh, love true. I love paying for someone because it feels like I'm getting to play a role that wasn't written yes. for me. I love it so much too. Going yeah. on dates, I feel like I want to take uh, take care of you, and yes. I want to do a role that usually people assume. If I went on a date with a, as a hetero woman with a man, it would be like I'm just the femi lady, and you mm-hmm. pay for me, and I don't like. Yeah, that. yeah, yeah. I you pay for to, me sometimes. You pay. I do. Pay <laughs> for you. I think more so. I mean, obviously, I was gonna say more so than the gay thing I didn't like but no gay obviously was the thing that turned me off of men but (laughs) um but but even if not for that but also I hated being the the woman in this situation Mm -hmm. and it really confused my gender identity for a long Mm -hmm. time because I was like who the how do I feel about my body I feel fine about it but I also feel really weird about all these other things that I'm supposed to be feeling fine about Yeah. yeah um and I hated being like doted on. It felt wrong and mm. felt not me and so weird. And I imagine so many women feel that way. But also maybe women like playing into I know that my sister loves 
um, playing into gender stereotypes with her husband because they both kind of like fit them mm. and it feels fun and good mm. and like playful and sexy for them. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I respect that. Yeah. Um, but it does piss me off when a guy is playing the role and forcing me mm. into the other role mm-hmm. because I don't want to be forced into anything. Agreed. When you started dating women, did you immediately become comfortable no. in your gender role? No. Yeah. I held on to those fucking gender roles and I thought one of us had to be the guy and one of us had to mm, be the woman right it took me so long to figure out that I could exist somewhere in between yeah and it was and that it so frustrating any given yeah. day like it can be a fluctuating thing it, it was so hard for me yeah and and it you know that's really an upsetting thing to think about that I you know I was in relationships where one I would be the more dude and Mm -hmm. she would be more of the femme and then it would change because I needed I was like am I that I don't feel that and then I would be like okay so in the next relationship I'm finding a girl who's gonna be more the dude and I'll be more the femme and then that felt wrong and and it was like exhausting yeah yeah it's so confusing totally because nobody explained to me that those rules are wrong right right (laughs) Right. And they don't, they're based on nothing. Right. Yeah. You're dating across the spectrum. They're based on trial. sexual dimorphism, really, yeah. is mm. what it is. Absolutely. And the, and the reproductive process. Right. And they've gone so fucking far. Um, and, you know, it's, it's, it's interesting deconstructing it when you're 25 yeah. and, and in a relationship <laughs> that, like, your girlfriend's like, why are you um, playing into this role right. so hard right, right now? I think it's uh, fascinating to see on the other side someone looking at a relationship with, let's say, it, it, and assuming that because you look more femme, you're playing the more feminine yeah. role. So they are like, oh, but she's the dude, right? Or she probably wears briefs, right? Yeah, yeah, and yeah. I'm like, so the way that we analyze within the relationship, I think it's also fascinating when other people outside assume that just because you present more masculine and more feminine that you're automatically taking that dominant or passive role. Yeah. Oh, my God. I, I love... I loved learning about like what dominance could look like yeah. from a femme person yes. because my girlfriend, for instance, she's, she can be like an alpha yeah, and she also rocks like lipstick yeah. most That's days yeah. and um, you know, but she is like a dominating person, a leader mm-hmm. and um, it's helped me to understand that, you know, because I was raised with like pretty, intense stereotypes yeah. even though my parents weren't like the most stereotypical couple mm-hmm. ever it, it, it was not just well, them the world it was socialization yeah. yes exactly I think also in lesbian relationships they uh, other lesbians can force you into those roles that you're oh my god just yeah. from being someone who's similar to your partner I hated when a more mask presenting woman put me in a more passive role because I was like I, I'm the alpha I want to be the alpha in this yeah, relationship yeah, so yeah. the same way that hetero relationships function like that don't put pigeon me or put me in a hole just because I, pr- I wear lipstick every day. Yes. You know? Yes. Amen. So Amen. Side note to bring it back to London, something yes. I hate that they do in London, I notice, is that when men, like at a hotel, hold a door open for a woman, they thank you. Like a man would open a door what? for me and say, thank you. For and I'd what? be like, thank you? <laughs> Constant confusion every Are you thanking time. me because you get to like be in the presence? Yeah, of, like, well, I don't know. Oh, this is so like a weird. British manners thing. I think I that, I, that wasn't translated at had, all. I had this really, this is a quick thing. I had this weird thing. I went to the Tower of London uh-huh. 
And they were doing very British style man humor from the Beefeaters mm. um, on this tour. Uh-huh. And, you know, he was saying things like, um, like, ladies, we'll, you can go to the crown jewels after this. Like, don't, you know, he was being very gendered. Yeah. Wow. And it was driving me nuts. My girlfriend was like, just like, enjoy it. Just like, try not to, <laughs> try not to let it get you too yeah. much. You're you like, know, no, it's the principle. Yeah. I mean, she like was just trying to have a good time. Sure, I yeah, totally yeah. understand. Cause you weren't going to change them. But right. it was pissing me off. Oh, yeah. It was, it was making me livid. And one of the things that I've needed to sort of learn over the past year or so is that I don't need to let everything piss me off because maybe that guy does understand that those stereotypes aren't right. Mm-hmm. And he's not necessarily trying to um, perpetuate those stereotypes. Mm-hmm. He's trying to have a laugh. He's trying to get the crowd feeling good. And he's probably a man with a wife where they do play into some of these roles right. naturally. Mm-hmm. Yep. Ma- he's a very masculine, like military dude, ex military guy, beef eater. And, you know, maybe he does have a wife who's really interested in the jewels and couldn't give a fuck about the um, armor and the prison. Mm-hmm. Maybe that's the case. And I need to, like, for my own self preservation, not get so pissed off mm-hmm. all the time. Yeah. Yeah, know, that's hard. the daily task. It's hard, right. <laughs> all right. Well, for stereotype breaking, empowering, emotional, in all of the amazing ways, music, check Woo! out Steam by Tomboy. Yes. Yeah. Oh, Where can 8th. we find you on social media? So um, on Instagram, we're Tomboy. Oh, big thing to the listeners. Tomboy is spelled without the first O. Right. Um, we didn't want to get into copyright law uh, infringement, so it we also changed looks it. really cool. Thanks, <laughs> thanks. Also, I think it takes away from this like annoying um, Tomboy's like on t-shirts. Yeah. At yeah. like H and M, yeah, and I kind of hate that that it's like cool, um, you know, because uh, for me it was like a word that I kind of hated and kind of loved yeah. for so long. So it's like, you know, um, whatever. It means something completely different to me and Will because we're kind of like rough and tumble with each other, yeah, and, yeah. and it feels like a little tomboy like friend relationship, mm. um, playful and serious at the same time. Mm-hmm. But uh, yeah, so it's no O in the first half of the word there is the O in the second half you can find us at in, on Instagram Tomboy NYC or I believe or music ah fuck <laughs> fuck um, check it you fuck can fuck find it, it on fact Facebook checking. yeah fact check it um, Tomboy uh, on, on Bandcamp you can find us on Spotify um, add us to your playlist you know it's um, Tomboy Music Tomboy Music okay so most everything is Tomboy Music then okay. you know it's funny because I've spent a zillion hours on these things like <laughs> it's like where you're does like, that information go in my brain searching for your own account so oh I constantly am oh, I'm always you? looking at my own account from my oh, personal <laughs> account okay then you have and no excuse somehow <laughs> information goes in yeah. one eye and out the other <laughs> anyway so yeah Awesome. Love All right. that. Sarah, thank you. Thank, thank you, you so much. Guys, thanks for listening. Find also, us. Yeah, go on, <laughs> do it. Find us. Follow us at Female Gaze Pod on Twitter and Instagram. Keep sliding in the DMs. Keep talking to us. We love that shit. Thank yeah. you so much for being part of the conversation. See you next week. Bye. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80 percent less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical and responsible manufacturing. 
Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. 